everyone. Welcome back to the Transfer News Central podcast. Um, I'm James Prescott and I've got a new co-host with me today. Um, I'm really excited to welcome Dale O'Donnell to the show as my new co-host. So um, Dale has done a bit of journal, sports journalism. He also owns and runs a, a major website uh, for Man United fans called Stretty News. Um, and so welcome to the show, Dale. Thanks for having me, James. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited to have a like a proper co-host now to, to record a few episodes with because um, yeah, because I was doing it with the other two guys for a while, and then when things happened, then we all kind of moved locations and we couldn't do it anymore. Mm. So it's nice to have a new co-host. Well, look, bright future ahead of us, hopefully. Yes, I hope so. Yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We've got a lot of to- a lot of things to talk about today. A lot of things have happened since our last episode. Um, the, uh, we're going to go through a few things. We're going to go, we're going to talk about um, managerial stuff. We're going to talk about um, last weekend's results and a little bit about the, trans- the January window that we know so far. So, um, and we're calling our managerial section. I'm a manager. Get me out of here because um, Ian Wright has been in uh, the jungle in I'm a Celebrity and he's missed three managerial sackings since he's been in there. <laughs> All the managerial sackings we're going to talk about today. Um, and two quite dramatic ones um, and one which was kind of expected. And there's another couple which 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 are kind of in the offing as well. So it's a big subject, uh, the managerial stuff. So, um, yeah, it's been nuts. It's like one a week at the moment. <laughs> so... I think we should start with um, the. I think I to me it was just this the the most kind of sensational one, um, which was Spurs. Yeah. Um, last week they sacked Pochettino, and within twenty four hours, Jose Mourinho had taken his place. And then they've won three games since then. Um, so oh, that was. I wasn't surprised that he left Spurs, but just how he left Spurs, when he left Spurs, and how quickly they replaced him, and who they replaced him with, to be honest, as well. Uh, it, all just, it was just like, you know, because we knew that things weren't right at Spurs, things weren't going well, and that Pochettino kind of looked like he wanted to leave, um, and that, you know, his, that didn't, people didn't think he would last the season, but I wasn't expecting him to go when he did, and I certainly wasn't expecting Mourinho to take over within 24 hours. Um, and I watched the whole thing unfold on, on sports news, on TV. It was just sensational. Um, so, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this, Dale? I think it's a step backwards in terms of appointment because you've got Pochettino there who, his body of work at Spurs was sensational, really. He had, he had them overachieving. He made them a, a regular Champions League outfit. Not only that, but got into a Champions League final. And he's often... People often criticise him because he didn't deliver silverware, but that, that totally ignores the, the work he did in making the regular Champions League outfit. All that was basically pushed aside when things got poor. Um, clearly wasn't much backing from the club, and forgetting what he had done. And then they hire a manager who's clearly a short-term fix. And I'm just thinking, what is the, the, the motive behind that? Mourinho won't be Spurs manager in three years' time. They got five good years out of Pochettino and he's a manager that believes in young players, was getting the most out of his players for the most part, part apart from this season. And I just feel Swags Ferguson was always of the view that you might get three to four seasons out of a squad. You need to keep changing it. And Spurs didn't really change it. Um, they added to the squad, okay, but I think it needs a makeover and they should have backed Pochettino to be the man to do it after all his work. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Pochettino is a great manager. Uh, he did a fantastic job there. Um, you've got to remember, last season, he didn't spend a penny. Like, not a penny. And that wasn't forced on them. That was a choice. Um, and he still got them into the top four and got to the Champions League final, which, you know, is absolutely sensational, really, when you think about it. And while doing that, playing great football. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As fans, you want to be entertained. And look... I've seen it watching my team down the years and different managers and it gets to the stage where I think when Mourinho became United manager and people were questioning the type of football he's going to play. United fans became so desperate, a lot of them were kind of saying that we don't care as long as we win. You don't pay 
to to be bored watching your team play and sitting back and that. And Pochettino is a is a typical modern coach, high pressing, um, good attacking. They won't get that under Mourinho. So I'm kind of thinking again, what what is the motive behind this when it is a short term fix? Yeah, I, I think I think that this and this kind of really came to me when I was watching it all happen. It was Spurs are just desperate to win a trophy. Yeah. They're just absolutely desperate to win a trophy. They haven't won a trophy since 2007, I think. Um, And despite all the progress that they made under Pochettino, they didn't win a trophy under him. When they probably deserve to, in all all honesty, uh, considering the football they played and what they achieved. um, You know, they were, I mean, they had a big chance in 2016 to win the league, probably, um, when Leicester won it and they didn't manage to pull it off. And they got close so often, but they didn't quite get over the line. I think you're right about the investment. I mean, Pochettino had a few had a bit of money to spend this summer, but you know he wanted to get rid of some players and bring in some other bring in some extra quality, um, and he wasn't able to do that. They had to keep a lot of players that kind of weren't exactly committed to staying, like Christian Eriksen, for example, and he didn't get a chance to really bring in the number of players that he wanted to bring in and the quality. He, he's never... I think, what was his net spend at Spurs over five years? It wasn't very much. It was really low. I can't remember I, exactly what the number it was, but it was very low. I think that's um, where it's going to get very interesting though, with Mourinho coming in, is the relationship Pochettino had with, with Daniel Levy and when it came to transfers, it, it, it didn't always seem very good, especially the, the time when they, they sold players and... And it, it didn't seem that the money is being put in. They were never really on the same page. Now, in the lead up to Pochettino sack, and I was thinking myself that talk of Allegri and, and that I, I was thinking no way because Pot- uh, Daniel Levy is not going to appoint a manager that I consider high maintenance um, when it comes to demanding certain stuff. But he has, he's gone for Jose Mourinho, who, who happily outed the likes of Ed Woodward at Manchester United. And when he's not happy, he's not going to let his his managerial reputation um be destroyed. He's going to call out whoever is he feels responsible. Mourinho will never take the blame. He'll call his players out if he needs to. Um, and I just feel that it's a strange one from Levy because Pochettino, I wouldn't have called a, a high maintenance manager. He kind of sat there during summers when they should have spent more and didn't say anything and got on with his job. And to his credit, got the best out of the bunch of players he had available for the most part. And you can talk about the last few months, but again, I don't think we should be ignoring the the incredible work he had done down the years with Spurs. Absolutely. A good track record for a manager, but they've gone for the complete opposite and the opposite in style of football. So. Yeah, and it makes me laugh. And we both know this because Mourinho has managed both, has managed both of our clubs. That When Mourinho goes into a new club, it's always, right at the beginning, it's all happy mm-hmm. and positive and everyone feels good and you know the old charms back with Mourinho and um, he talks about young players and how he wants to use the academy and all of that he always, he always does this at the beginning of a new club like he goes in and does that and I just went because I remember when he went to Spurs in his first interview he talked about the academy and I was I just I almost laughed out loud because I was like yeah there's no way you're going to use any of the academy players at all you're not going to integrate anyone you're not going to Put him into the first team. It's just not going to happen. You're going to, and he said, oh, I'm, not, "I'm not asking for players. I'm not asking for signings." But you know that he will next summer. I mean, it's, it's absolutely certain. Um, he's he's got a squad there that's probably set up for him um, and his style of football, and he'll probably get them challenging for fourth place and maybe, you know, competing for a cup. Um, that's all he has to do this season to be a success. And then, but in the summer, you can bet your bottom dollar he's gonna he's gonna ask for players. Of course, look, he's a sheer politician of a manager. He'd never take over the Spurs job as a Chelsea fan. You've seen that 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 was completely not a rubbish. Um, his press conference McKenzie take jobs is always a a big quote in there, and he mentioned how he he'd now wear the full Spurs pajamas and stuff. You know, with Mourinho, it it does always start on a positive note, but it's when the players start challenging him and he needs to get the best out of him. His methods for doing so doesn't always strike a chord with certain players. Um, 
And especially nowadays, you look at the approach Jorgen Klopp has at Liverpool. It's kind of wrap the arm around the shoulder and give a player a hug and pat him on the back. They're all pally pally. Mourinho doesn't do that. And I think some players, especially nowadays, the softer players, they kind of need that encouragement. I've seen at Manchester United with, um, with the likes of Luke Shaw that wasn't really carrying his weight. But by going public at times, Luke Shaw wasn't the kind of character that's going to respond to that. Um, definitely not. And I think his judgment of that needs to be very careful when he's when he's dealing with certain players. I suppose everyone's different. And to crack a cold as a manager, you need to get the best out of your players. And Pochettino, for his credit, did that for the most part. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm with you on my assessment of what will happen. You know, he'll probably have some short-term success of some kind. But within... Within two or three years, he'll be gone. You know, and it'll be the same thing again because Daniel Levy is one of the most difficult chairmen in football to work for. And you're not telling me that they're not going to fall out at some point. It's just, it's just like a car crash in slow motion. You know, it's going to happen at some point. It's just, and it'll be fun to watch for opposition fans because it'll all go wrong. So, (laughs) um, but it's going to happen. Because, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, Daniel Lewis is probably even more difficult to work for than Marina Grana Scar at Chelsea or, or uh, Ed Woodward at Manchester United. You know, so, um, yeah, it's just going to be, uh, it's not, it's going to, it'll kind of start well, but then it'll end badly. The next club, which has had a bit of a transition, is Arsenal. You know, Emery, Emery was sacked this last week. And it kind of was like the most drawn out long sacking that I've ever seen because it was kind of been coming for for weeks. And all the Arsenal fans have wanted him out for ages. And there were rumours that Arsenal had talked to Mourinho and Lewis Enrique and things and nothing had come of that. And then suddenly um, on, I think it's, was it Friday morning? He was sacked. And and there's no clue yet as to who that's going, who's going to replace him long term. Although Freddie Lundberg's taken over short term, but it just kind of brings into into kind of sharp focus how how that club's being run. It's just it looks like there's no clear direction in that club. They don't they don't even know what kind of manager they want to appoint. I mean, you because you're seeing Allegri linked, you're seeing and then you're seeing Mikel Arteta linked, who are completely different kinds of manager. So it doesn't look like they've got a clear vision of what they want to do. And, yeah, I mean, it must be tough being an Arsenal fan, especially when we're going to talk about later. Oh, Bamiyang's being linked to Real Madrid. He's not signing a new contract, and they really need him. You know, he's getting a lot of goals, which is saving them right now. And, you know, he's a top-class player, and they can't afford to lose him, but he's not signing a new contract. So they need to make an appointment as quickly as possible and get some direction at that club. Because uh, it's it's been a mess so far, especially given the money that they spent in the summer and the players they brought in. You know, Nicolas Pepe, um, who's not who's had a very difficult time, uh, and then there were and obviously David Luiz at centre back, and which hasn't really worked out, um, and Tierney, which I think is a good long term signing, but still not integrated fully yet. Um, so they spent a lot of money in the summer, but. Uh, you haven't, we haven't seen the results of that. And it's not a surprise that uh, Emery got sacked. No, absolutely not. Like, with Emery reading through the stories and all the coverage we, that's been published since he's been sacked, it just seems like an absolute disaster from start to finish. Um, players, I think, were left embarrassed after um, one of his first games when he asked them all in the dressing room to put their hands into a circle and shout Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. Um communication never seemed really on point with the players. They never really knew what they're being asked of them. And you mentioned, you hit the nail on the head when you're saying about the way clubs being run. It's so dysfunctional. And the likes of, it makes me surprised the likes of Allegri's being linked to Arsenal because he's 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 been known to go to the clubs that have been running properly and good teams and he's delivered. It's a different story going to a club that's been run terribly. And there's so many parallels with Arsenal and Manchester United at the moment. Um, you look at two fuck players yeah. in charge um but yeah look Allegri, Allegri there were so many mishaps you look at the way that they dealt with Aaron Ramsey a key player and a player that when you watched Arsenal last season and beyond whenever he got the ball in the final third he looked like something's going to happen he's a dangerous player you can't be affording to lose players like that and especially when they want to stay at the club um so they got rid of him and in the summer he spent lots of money 
And you, you know, I'm not surprised by the results. Arsenal need a top centre back, and they spent seventy odd million on Nicolas Pepe. Look, and he looked like an exciting prospect before they signed him. He's been an absolute disaster. But aside from that, they need a centre back. And how many years have we said that about Arsenal when they're poor defensively, really soft? And you watch them, and no matter how good they are in, in the final third, they're just a mistake away from conceding a goal at the back. And it, this has gone on for years. Now, Lundberg has said as caretaker manager that they need to improve defensively. But is he, is he, has he got the track record to, to pull Arsenal out of this slump? And even has anyone, can anyone do it? Because the club's not being run properly. It's a poison chalice. Exactly. I, I fully agree with you on that. And um, I like the, um, the analogy of Manchester United. I think those two clubs right now are just a great example of how you can have great resources at a club financially and you can have you know it could be a big club with a big reputation but you but if you don't have the right structure at the club if you don't have a clear strategy at the club it's just going to be a disaster um because arsenal are just a disaster right now they have been for quite a few years um and manchester united the same to be perfectly honest i mean like i grew up watching manchester united under alex ferguson and one of the best run clubs in the world but now they're probably one of the worst. Um, it's just, um, and I think this is relevant to the managerial issue because Oligana Solskjaer is, is not getting good results. I mean, his win percentage as permanent manager is worse than Unai Emery at Arsenal. It's worse. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, and yet he's, there, there seems to be no suggestion that he's under threat or that his job's, you know, that, he, that they're going to sack him. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, I mean, it's not just Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that's the problem at Manchester United. There's a there's a huge problem at Manchester United in terms of their structure. They don't have a director of football, even though they said they were going to hire one. And they don't, you know, and you can see there's an element of what Solskjaer wants to do in terms of young players, um, maybe more British players as well, um, you know, to develop and build a young team playing the right kind of football. There's a kind of vague footballing strategy there but it but the structure is just not in place to support it especially with Ed Woodward there who I I think is more concerned with profit than with football and and that's why he won't sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer despite these results I think as well because you've got Pochettino available now for nothing you know <laughs> and he's a world-class manager and you know I've said for years he's the perfect manager for Manchester United but um Fortunately, they never they never hire him. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I think that's 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 a situation to keep an eye on as well because they've got some tough games coming up. They've got got Spurs. They've got uh, Man City. Everton's not going to be an easy game, and that'll that'll bring us on to the next managerial thing because that's that's another another club who are in danger of losing their manager. Um, so it's going to be a difficult few weeks for United, I think. Yeah, I'm starting to question whether Solskjaer will make it um, to January. Um, I've seen the, there's, there's been a turn, a slight turn in, in the fan base. Now, United fans, when, when David Moyes was um, was going bad, Van Gaal was going bad, at games, they still got behind the team, got behind the manager. It was It's it never been the case of a whole stadium turning on the manager. They're quite good that way, and they get behind the team. But the likes of social media can be can be quite different to to attending a game. People are much more knee jerk, and they can post behind anonymous accounts, and 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 you can sometimes get rival fans posting in disguise too to to show up the club. But mm-hmm. but I, I do think it is changing. I think people are getting fed up with the results. Um, soldiers quite persistent in playing underperforming players, the likes of Andres Pereira, who seems to get in the team every week now. There is limited options in midfield, but persisting with a player that clearly has no strength whatsoever in midfield is annoying people, and it is annoying fans. The likes of James Garner, Dylan Levitt might be only youngsters, but people would rather see them given the shot than, than Pereira, who was given a contract to United in the summer, and it left my head scratching my head. I didn't know what was going on. But yeah, I don't think he's he's a top manager. He might have the right values in mind. He might have the, the right 
ideas for the future in yeah. Manchester United. But I, do, I don't think Pochettino's view on football is too different in terms of giving young lads chances. And, and the biggest thing about Pochettino is, and I keep mentioning it, for the most part at Spurs, he got the most out of his players. And I look at this United team, is Solskjaer getting the most out of his players? Because they're, like, they're good players there. There are players capable of a lot more than what they're showing. And if your manager's not getting the most out of your players over a significant period of time, which it has been, then it's time to change. And it might come down to a financial decision, whereas Woodward might be thinking the likes of Solskjaer won't be so demanding in, in the transfer window. He'd be a bit of a yes man, which the Glazers would love to sound of that. Um, but the football is not good enough. The results aren't there. I, and it's just, I don't think there's enough reason to hold on to that. I agree. I absolutely would agree. I actually think Solskjaer would be a great guy to have as director of football. Yeah. Because of his vision for the club and his um, his love of the club. But just, just on that, can I just mention one thing? An absolute myth that people have. Uh, it goes on to Arsenal too and other clubs that hire former players. And this, this strange belief that he gets the club. Um, that doesn't make you a top manager. It would not be, Absolutely agree. Would not be yeah. much better to have a top manager than someone who gets to... I get Man United. Hire me. No, I, 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 I'll go in and see what I can do over a few months. It doesn't work that way. You, you need Top clubs need top managers. And maybe Lundberg might do well at Arsenal over his caretaker stint, but surely they can find a better manager with a better track record than someone that has none. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Man United is a project that needs needs the right manager to oversee it, um, and the right manager is available. I think, yeah. <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so that kind of brings us back to Everton, um, because it seems like Marco Silva's been under threat for months now. It just just seems to be an ongoing kind of when's it when's he going to be sacked kind of thing. Um, because they spent a lot of money in the summer, Everton, and I thought they'd made some good signings. And then it seems like they've just not progressed at all, and uh, they're not they're not winning games. They're not keeping clean sheets. They're not scoring goals. Um, it looks like that. It looks like he doesn't. Arkansas doesn't know how to turn it around, and that he's again. He just looks like he's waiting to be sacked. Mm. <laughs> um, there's lots of rumours about David Moyes going back there. Um, you know, he was, uh, obviously he was really successful when he was there before. Um, and I still I still rate David Moyes as a manager. I think actually, I think yeah, he's been unfairly treated the last few years. Um, but, uh, and he'd probably do a very good job if he went back there. But yeah, that's another one. I mean, it's, yeah. I, and again, is, there, is it problems at the club or is it problems... Is it problems just with the manager? Because we've seen them hire a couple of managers now who were kind of, there was a big, big noise about them when they were hired and they were meant to be the guy that was going to take Everton back to the top, you know, with all the money that they spent a fair bit of money as well. Um, and yet we haven't seen evidence of that on the pitch. So there's something not quite right there as well. And so what are your thoughts on that? I think Everton are, it's a strange one because you mentioned like, they are a top club. Just not behaving or, or, or getting the results that resemble that. Um, AC Milan, Valencia, they almost fall into the same bracket nowadays. You know, hiring still with a few good players and trying to hire the best managers, but still in the same old hole. And Marco Silva had a, had a was an exciting manager, um, previously, and there was a lot of hope around it. But it just seems, as you said, he doesn't he doesn't know a way out of this. Um, mm. it seems that the club itself needs to have a better outlook of what they want and when they when they hire a manager does he buy into the same philosophy as as, as they do it's only a, he, he's walking a tightrope um he won't be there by christmas i don't think and like yesterday against leicester especially the fact the fashion in which the game ended and um, with leicester come back at the very end to win the game that was just a, a bigger kick for the manager and it <laughs> It's a really, really bad situation he's in. And as well as that, you wonder, you mentioned Moyes, and you, you think he feels probably hard done by in the past few years, which he probably does. He did a good job at everything. Went to Manchester United and was kind of maybe painted as a bit of a, a bit of a clown, really, which is kind of unfair. He, he, he was out of his depth, um, but his job since then haven't been 
successfully. I think his football is, is a bit old-fashioned. He's a bit of a dinosaur, but you can't take away his record at Everton away from him. But I still think by hiring him now, you're, you're, you're going backwards, I think. Because nowadays, with the, yeah. the foreign influence in the Premier League, and we see so many foreign managers come up with different ideas and, and doing well, that old-fashioned top-flight basic tactics manager is just... It, we're beyond that now. Um, you need a clever thinker, someone that looks at football differently, a modern view on football. And um, by just getting back into bed with David Moyes, again, you're shaking your head saying it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, probably. It probably would. Um, as a short-term stabilising influence, it might be a, it might, it might work, but. Yeah, you're right. They need a kind of. I, they keep hiring what they think are young progressive coaches, and they and it's not seem to work. They had Cumin, um, which just didn't work, and now they and Marco Silva was the one after that. Uh, and I actually thought Marco Silva would do pretty well at Everton, but but it, uh, it's not turned out to be the case. I think an interesting show for them to consider is Lauren Blanc. He's been desperate to get into the Premier League the past few years. I know he, he wanted the United job, but Everton is a big club and you have the resource there to gain good players. And that could be a stepping stone job for him. Uh, now, I haven't seen him move for the job. It's, just, it's an outside show. I have my own mind. But Blanc would be an interesting one. Did a great job at Bordeaux. I don't think he's top manager, but he has a decent record and he's looking for that big job again. So it wouldn't be a bad shout to see Everton go for the likes of him. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I like I like Laurent Blanc. He was actually linked with Chelsea a few times, as well. And he, you know, he plays good football. He's won trophies, um, especially with Bordeaux. That was a fantastic job he did there because he had very limited resources at Bordeaux, and, and yet won. I think he won the he won the French league and got to the Champions League quarterfinals. Yeah. So he's clearly got ability as a coach. Um, and yeah, I think it's kind of well known that he wants the man. He'd love the Man United job. Um, and actually, he probably would have been a better appointment than Solskjaer last year, I think. I'm surprised they didn't actually go for him last year because um, I'm sure he would have gone there if he'd had the chance, uh, being a former player and everything like that. But, um, but yeah, that's a good shout, actually. Um, that's a good shout. Everton is a good club where he could go and do a job, and that could be, a, for him, that would be a stepping stone to a bigger job, obviously. But, yeah, I think that's a good shout, um, which brings us to kind of the last club, which is Watford. Watford um, have just sacked their manager and uh, it's their third manager of the year, whoever who their next manager is going to be, because they, they sacked... Um, I can't keep up with the managers of they've sacked. They sacked... Um, I, can't, I can't remember the name of the manager they sacked earlier this season. But, um, oh, Javi Gracia, they sacked him earlier in the season uh, after a disastrous start to the season. And now they they brought back Kike Sanchez Flores, and he's not been great either. So both of them have been a bit of a disaster. And again, it's another example of a club that's not being run well. And they've not really had stability in terms of management for quite a while. And um, their owners have a track record of of sacking managers and having multiple managers in a season. So um, now they're talking about Chris Hewton potentially going there. And to be honest, though, I I wouldn't go near that club if with the barge pole if I was a manager um, because of the instability there but um, what do you think about that? Oh, Chris Hewitt's a great manager but again you, you need you need to be careful on what job you take you can't just take any old any old gig in the top flight as the likes of Solskjaer learned his lesson with Cardiff that was a disaster to even go there knowing that they were definitely going to go down really they, they had no real chance and a poor squad so like all it takes really is a bad job and your CV can be totally tarnished. People won't go near you again. Now, Chris Hewton has a, has a great CV. Um, was wrongly fired by, by Newcastle that time too after bringing him up from the championship. So yeah, that's another thing people need to, to take note of. We talk about Manchester United, we talk about Arsenal and they're big clubs, but they're being run terribly. And I also think there are managers out there that wouldn't go near them. Um, top managers would probably say no to those jobs currently because the club isn't being run properly. It's a matter of time before you get the sack. It's just a, it's a never-ending um, merry-go-round at times. And you look, look at Watford, and like, they've signed some decent players in recent years, but it just hasn't come together. It hasn't synced. 
Um, again, if I was Chris Hewton, as you said, I wouldn't go near it. Yeah. Which is sad, sad because if, if Watford fans are listening, they, they might not say it themselves, but in the back of their mind, that's just a realistic view on it. The club has been run terribly. They, they have made sign-ins. They haven't worked. And it's not an appealing job to, to managers currently. Absolutely agree, yeah. It's a, it's, um, it's, it's a chaotic club, Watford. Um, and you're right. I mean, their squad isn't that bad. I, you know, they, they've actually recruited relatively well. It's just they haven't had a guy that's been able to bring it all together and build a team and get results. And I'm sure part of that is what happens behind the scenes, um, the board and kind of the instability there. But, um, yeah, so that's an interesting one to see what will happen. But Chris Hewton is the favourite right now, I think, um, as I'm speaking. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. But it clearly is <laughs> a big season, a part of the season in terms of managers. Like we've had, yeah, I mean, we've talked about, what, four or five clubs? And we've already had three sackings in the last kind of 10 days. So it's, uh, and I think there's going to be more to come because, yeah, I think Everton will change their manager and, I th- and who knows what's going to happen at Manchester United. So there's a lot of different clubs that are going to be changing their managers. So Ironically, it is the season to be jolly <laughs> for managers. I, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you get a holiday yeah. at Christmas <laughs> if you get sacked around Christmas. Um, so <laughs> I guess there's a something. A compensation package to go with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's nice to be sacked as a manager. You get a massive playoff. Um, <laughs> so that kind of brings us to this weekend's results. Um, been a, a really interesting weekend in terms of results, I think. We've had a lot of unexpected results and and then some, some expected results. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's been an interesting one. Man City, I think was kind of the, the big one because most people expected them to beat Newcastle. Most people expected them to kind of keep in touch with Liverpool, vaguely at least, in the in the title race. Um, especially when they went 2-1 up with about 10, well, not long to go, I think. Which was a great goal by Kevin De Bruyne. Mm. Really, really was a top-class finish. But then somehow Newcastle got a draw. And again, another great goal by John Joe Shelby, who of course is ex-Liverpool, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Um, and yeah, and then of course Liverpool go and win their game, and now they've you know they've extended their lead, and uh, right now Leicester are in second place. I mean, they like we talked about it earlier. Leicester won with almost the last kick of the game against Everton after being behind. And so they're in, they're in second place now, genuinely, I think, on points. So, it really, I mean, to be honest, it's looking a lot, again, it just reinforces that it looks, it's looking like Liverpool's title oh, this absolutely. year. If you look at City's performance, so slow, pedestrian, they're a total different team without Aguero. Um, and when he got injured, and he's out for a derby party, you always have to confirm it. When he got injured, I, I saw this coming. It's putting away teams like, Newcastle and they'd have no problem doing that if he was in the pitch where Aguero makes things happen himself he doesn't necessarily need amazing build-up play around them and I watched watch City and there's just no imagination they were passing the cones really and just slow and you know, it kind of plays into the likes of Newcastle's um, hands like teams like Newcastle and other teams up and down the league it might not get to that result every week against City but there will be weeks when, when they will. And I can see them dropping more points between now and Christmas and Liverpool having way more space. And to be honest, people last season were talking about this title race and we're talking about should Liverpool, remember Gary Neville was talking about, should Liverpool maybe focus on the Champions League or focus on the league? But by the look of things, when the knockout stage for Champions League begin, the title will be wrapped up anyway. So they could they could go for both. They could focus on both. They could rest players in the league. Maybe that's the way it's looking. Um, Leicester, I don't think they go all the way. But we've said that before, haven't we? We've we've questioned Leicester, and and they they came out on yeah. So yeah, look, I I just think that injury to Aguero has really happened at the wrong time. The festive period when games come ticking fast, and the legs of Klopp would have been looking at. Fabinho's injury in the Champions League last week and he would have been worrying because he's a key player for them in midfield 
But by the looks of it, City will drop four points. Liverpool are going to run away with it. Exactly. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah, it's quite scary, really. I mean, Leicester is an interesting one because they don't have any midweek fixtures this season. Yeah. They've got no European football. So they can pretty much play the same team every week. And that, I mean, historically, that's been quite a benefit. When they won, when they won the league before, it was the same. I mean, actually, when Chelsea won the league the year later, they didn't. We didn't have have any European football. So, you know, you're able to play almost the same team every week and get some consistency, and your players are a lot fresher as well. So, I don't think Leicester will win the title, but I do think they'll. I do think they'll comfortably finish in the top four, um, and they'll have a little blip, I'm sure, because most teams do, especially over Christmas and January, where everyone plays a lot of fixtures. I think they'll be they'll drop a few points, but yeah, I can see them finishing the top four, even the top three, even Leicester. Um, the way they're going, it's the result like the weekend to come back at the very end, and the sheer belief that Rodgers has come in with. He's got Vardy back scoring goals, crucial goals. They play great football, and they they, they yeah. sign they sign the right players like Yuri Tealsman in the summer, forty million. In the in the market nowadays, I think that's really really good business. And I was looking at other clubs in Premier League. He came on loan from Monaco last season, a really promising young player from Belgium, who didn't quite go to planet in Monaco, but needed a breakaway. And he proved himself in the Premier League um, when he came on loan. It just seemed like common sense to sign a player that good for forty million. And I don't know how Leicester got got to do that, and a big club like Manchester United can come knocking on his door because he's a really good player. But Rogers come in, he deserves so much credit for what he's done. He hasn't spent lots of money, but he has his team playing a lot better than Guardiola's City. And I think Guardiola's getting away with a lot of criticism at the moment because he spent so much money and the football is so flat at the moment. It's so flat to watch. It's not like the entertaining City we watched the previous two seasons. And let's not forget either, City were being called the greatest team of English football. Um, joking me, absolute joke. And looking at the only last two seasons, they won't win a title this year. And you look at other managers the past, and Jose Mourinho was one of them too. The media like to get on his back. Guardiola is so protected, so protected. And if it was any other manager in his position right now, he'd be crucified. Uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, they're not playing yeah. the football they were last year or the year before, without a doubt. I mean, we played Chelsea played them a week ago, and we we probably deserved a draw out of that game. Probably unlucky not to get a draw out of that game, and they weren't. They didn't look like they were at any point like they were going to hammer us at all. I mean, last season they beat us six 0 um, and played some sensational stuff. But this year they didn't even look like doing that. And yeah, and of course they lost um, to Liverpool as well. Although they played quite well in that game in periods, but they're certainly not the, the, the Man City they were for the last two years. And that's. That's true, and Pep Guardiola does have this aura around him where he doesn't seem to ever get criticised. You're right. Um, People are almost afraid to to question him because because of his record, and but like he spends so much money on building this squad, like that has to, questions have to be raised by that. And I know Gary Neville always mentioned it about winning league titles with United, and if you, if if you lost the title the year before, it was almost easy because you had that level of hunger. And maybe Liverpool have that at the moment. But that doesn't explain the, the sheer drop in the level of performance from City. Well, maybe they could be bored of winning titles. Don't ask me how you could be bored of winning titles, but maybe that hunger isn't there at the moment. And that brings us back to the, the point I made about Pochettino with Spurs and the need to maybe change your team after three or four years to to get in hungry players again and maybe give those guys that were previously there a kick up the backside that there's competition now. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think them losing Vincent Company has been huge because he was, not just in terms of him as a player, but his leadership, his drive, you know, like the way he inspired players around him, lifted the team, often scored really important goals for them as well, funnily enough, in big games. And they've missed that. I think they've missed that leadership um, in their team. And it's showing on the pitch. And also because Laporte's been injured as well, that's really affected their defence, for sure. Um, I, would, I, would, I would not be surprised at all if they bought a centre-back in January. Um, in fact, I'd be more surprised if they didn't buy one, to be honest. 
Um, because, yeah, that that's definitely had an impact too. And you're right, Liverpool just have built momentum on last year. Like, obviously, they were disappointed to not win the league. They got so close, and as close as you can get pretty much without winning it. Then they won the Champions League, and that seems to have given them a bit more momentum and a bit more focus and, you know, the taste of winning trophies. There's something about, like, when a team wins their first trophy, then that gives you the kind of the taste and it gives you the confidence that you can win as well. And they've just and they haven't actually played brilliantly this this year, Liverpool. Really not they haven't played the kind of sensational football that we saw at times last year and the year before. But but they've just got results. You're bang on there because watching Liverpool maybe last year, even the season before when the counterattacks with Salah and Mane, they were really they were really cutthroat side. They did slice you in seconds. Um, I think maybe it's a bit of a difference in, in the approach of, of Klopp and maybe it's a bit more calculated and, and, and more successful that they're not as gung-ho um, they're like so many crosses early from the fullbacks um, so it makes it earlier for them to get back into position and, and to defend when, when needs be so the, the likes of Liverpool they're probably a more complete team now but maybe not as easy on the eye as, as they were but look, if, come May, if they if all those players have um, league medals in their back pocket, and what what's it been? It'll be thirty years by the time the last won the title. Um, nobody will will care about that. They have done their job, and but it sounds, but it looks at things now. I can't see anyone else win the title, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. Yes, it is unfortunate, isn't it? <laughs> Neither of our clubs really <laughs> like Liverpool. <laughs> Um, but you know, um, and I, I do like Klopp though. I'm a big fan of Jurgen Klopp. I think he's a great manager, um, and you know, deserves. He was successful at Dortmund, and he's done the same job at Liverpool, and he's uh, yeah built something really great. So um, now the other shock, kind of, I think, it was a shock result of the weekend, which is kind of around the top four, was was West Ham mm. against Chelsea. West Ham mm. have not won a game for quite a while. Pellegrini was one of those managers who was under threat. People were talking about him losing his job. And more David Moyes had been linked with that job as well. Um going back to the going back to West Ham. And yet, um, you know, and obviously Chelsea start the first half, played pretty well in the first half, didn't score. And then the second half, West Ham just came out and you know, they they scored and then they, they were well organized and played really well. Um and it was like it's Chelsea's second defeat on the trot. They're still in fourth place, six points ahead of Tottenham. Um, but it was a bit of a blow. And um, the Man City game, I think Chelsea, I think Chelsea were not so disappointed because we played well and because it's Manchester City. So nobody expected us to win. <laughs> but I think um, West Ham, I think, is a game most, most people thought Chelsea would win that game and they didn't. And... Uh, you know, so it's a it's a challenging time for them. They've got they've got some interesting games coming up. Um, they've got Villa this week and Everton away at the um, at the weekend, and then but then they've got to play Spurs. They've got to play Arsenal, and so it's a it's a challenging time for them. I, I think with Chelsea and the credit that Lampard's done this year, it is a very young side. They have been performing well, and I think when you have such a young team, you just have to accept that there's going to be inconsistencies and now the only thing about Chelsea is their champion their, their record since the international break hasn't been great and um, that they lose the two consecutive games in the league they drew their last two Champions League games they're not qualified just yet so maybe that's a reason to be concerned and especially you would have expected them to be West Ham at home but maybe it is maybe this is the blip um and it wouldn't be the worst time to come out of that blip now because, as we've mentioned, the Christmas period. But, uh, look, Lampard is doing a good job with that young bunch of players. It's going to be very interesting to see what kind of job he does next season too when he does have that, if the transfer ban is lifted, and he can bring in some, some bigger names because the, the the foundations for his team are definitely being laid at the moment. The likes of Mount that came with him from, from Derby. He, he's adjusted to life in the Premier League really, really well, I think. Um, getting his games with England now as well. So there's that foundations are being laid. And just thinking of Solskjaer last season, that honeymoon period, 
as as someone that probably doesn't support Chelsea, you're you're going to look at that and think, well, when's they going to really going to kick in the what we're seeing with Solskjaer now? But I don't think that. I think Lampard's coming to be really calculated with, with the way he set his team up. Um, he looked like he's in control, and I think Chelsea fans have, could be excited with that one, especially with the transfer ban being lifted for them. Yeah, that's right. I think for me, I mean, a lot of the younger players, the academy players that come in. They've never played Premier yeah. League before. They've never played Champions League before. And so they've not played at this level of football consistently. And also, I mean, Frank Lampard's style of football is quite intense and high energy as well. So it takes a lot out of players. So I think that's, I think we're seeing the, the kind of, some, a lot of players are looking at are a bit more tired as well, I think. And I think we're seeing that the, the, what, Chelsea, what a lot of Chelsea fans have, have known for a while is that the players that come in behind the first choice players are not of sufficient quality. You know, like um, Giroud has been a good player, but he's not, he doesn't fit our style of play. He's not, and he, he's just not, he's not at, at that level anymore. You know, Pedro, um, even Willian, although he's had a good season this year, you know, he's coming to the end of his career. He's, he's 31. So he's not, at his, he's not going to be at his peak you know, and much longer. Um, he looks like he's on the way out. You know, you've got so there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done. And you know, I mean, if Chelsea get the transfer ban lifted for January, that will be very interesting to see what they do. Because um, there's a few players they've been linked with. So yeah, and I agree. The foundations are all there, and I think um, yeah, I think Lampard knows what he's doing. I think he's a good manager. I think he's tactically good. He's a good good man manager. Complete contrast with Solskjaer for me. Lampard's actually a talented coach, I think. But um, yeah, so you're right. I mean, it is a kind of a little bit of a blip and I'm not worried at all, to be honest. But um, it was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> so, okay, now that's a good segue into the last part of the show, which is the January window, because we're now into December. So it's almost certain that rumours are going to start coming out soon about clubs being linked with players for January. It's not long till the January window opens. And there's been a few stories already about players that um, and their future. One of the big ones, I think, which I've, which I've been following for a while, is Jadon Sancho, uh, Borussia Dortmund. This season has been a very difficult one for him. Um, he was subbed after 36 minutes in a game, I think. He's been turning up late for training. I think there's been a bit of disruption there. It's not all harmonious between him and Dortmund. Uh, and there's been some suggestions that he might even move in January if they get the right offer. Uh, and that certainly he will move in the summer, but if he doesn't move in January. But there's And there's a lot of clubs interested in him, obviously, which you would expect. Yeah, I think Liverpool have been, in, uh, been linked with him. Manchester United have been linked with him. I think they were linked with him last summer. Man City have an option as well. Real Madrid have been linked with him as well, and and Chelsea as well have been, I know, have got an interest in him. There's there's a lot of clubs who will want him. So what do you think is going to happen with Sancho? The latest today is that Liverpool are going to move for him in January, and the player the player wants to leave in January. Obviously, it's, it's not going well for Dortmund. He seems to have fallen out with the manager um, ever since he came back from international duty late. I think like. When we hear those stories that he came back from late from international duty, that that seems like a mistake. Um, but are we getting the full story? I don't know. And if it's a matter of that he's causing problems himself, I'd be wary of spending big on a player then that is leaving the club on such bad terms. Now we see what he's doing most weeks in the Bundesliga. His, his stats are there for proof that he's a very, very, very promising player. Um, does well when he plays for England too, so you can see why these big clubs are after him. But it's just it, it it's never really a good thing when a player or even a manager leaves a club on a sour note. Um, and especially how Dortmund are apparently so willing to leave him go in January. He's probably their their best player, and to let your best player go midway through a season, that tells me there's more to this than just arriving training late. Um. I, I, I'm not claiming to know what, what's happening, but it doesn't quite add up. Um, but look, you look at the, the stories today of Liverpool being interested, and I just kind of jokingly I posted on Twitter, you know, if it comes up to, to Manchester United or Liverpool, at the moment, there's only one winner in that race. You know, Liverpool are European champions, they're going for the title. Um, 
top manager and a, and a good squad. But maybe you might think more so of the current start in 11 and does he fit into that? you got Manny and Salah. It's going to be much more difficult to break into that than it would be at Manchester United who are crying out for a right side of winger. Yeah. And that's what makes it interesting. But again, I, I don't like the sound of, of what, what's going on there. He seems too big of a player for the manager to be that upset by him missing training a few times to come back from international. That doesn't add up to me. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a very interesting one to see what happens in January with him because so many clubs will want him. I don't think there'll be one, just one club bidding for him. I think there'll be a lot of clubs that will want him. And yeah, and it is interesting. It's, and it is interesting and concerning, you know, that what's happening there. Maybe maybe his, maybe his mind's somewhere else. Maybe he just doesn't want to be there anymore. Maybe his head's been turned by somebody. You know, you don't know what's happened. Um, that's the thing. But there, you're right. There's probably something more going on with with Jordan Sanchez than we, that we don't know about. Also, and... I think we need to consider too how he ended up at, at Dortmund. We can all agree that it was a brave decision as a youngster to leave Man City when Guardiola was firmly uh, was was telling him he, he'd get his he'd get his chance. But when he couldn't tell him, and he still was willing to to leave, even though one of the most respected managers in the world clearly wanted him. He ended up at Dortmund, and that that was a risk that paid off. Clearly, he's now one of the most talked about footballers in the world, and he's scoring goals, assisting in a, in a good league. But also, it, that also might tell us that there's a bit of a chip on his shoulder um, to to take that risk, and that chip on his shoulder, he might need that. That's the reason he's in the position he is in today. But has that chip on his shoulder grown to an extent that isn't a good thing? If he's um if he's kicking up a fuss at Dortmund, but then again, you could be right that he his mind is elsewhere, and the manager is is just, is just noting that and doesn't want to play him for that reason. As we've seen with with Pochettino at Spurs, he didn't really like playing players that were not willing to sign new contracts. So it could be down to the manager. It could be down to Sancho. I, I just think we're not being told the full story as to why it's ended a bit sour for him over in Germany. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, and speaking of Dortmunds, uh, an ex-Dortmund player, uh, Aubameyang, um, has been linked with not just Real Madrid, but linked with, I think he was linked with Inter today as well. He's been linked with a few clubs and he's not signed a new contract at Arsenal. And we talked about already this, the instability at Arsenal and how badly the club's being run. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him. I mean, it could depend on who Arsenal appoint as their manager their permanent manager. But at the same time, he may just decide that, you know, he's 30. He maybe wants to win big trophies at a big club. And that's not going to happen at Arsenal, whoever the manager is in the next year or two. So um, I think there's a possibility he could move. Although January would be a a bit of a controversial time for him to move. (laughs) But um, yeah, what do you think about that? I'd be surprised if he ended up at Real Madrid considering his age because when the summer comes and if they want to sign a, a top striker, I can imagine they'll go for a, a younger, um, just as improved or proven striker. Um, there's a lot of talk about Haaland at, um, at Salzburg. The likes of that kind of young player for the future would probably fit um, Madrid more. Uh, but then again, he is his contract is running out. I, I reckon... At the moment, it sounds like his agent is aware of that and is tipping different names in the media. Um, Inter Milan seems linked with a lot of players that aren't really hacking in the, in the Premier League. Look at they took Sanchez, they took Lukaku. Um, it just makes sense for them to be linked with with Bamiyang. and that young striker. I'm forgetting his name. The plays alongside Lukaku, he's really breaking through this season. Um, and there's, there's a massive transfer clause on his name, something like 80 million or 90 million. So if they lose him, Bamiyang would, would make sense then to go for him, really. He'd um, he, he'd be a good option for the Serie A. But I, I don't think he'd be at Real Madrid. Um, and he's, he's a quality player, really, really good player. He scored two at the weekend for Arsenal when they drew with Norwich. Um, quick, in the right place at the right time a lot of the time. And when he's in front of the goal, you just fancy him at the back of the net. Absolutely, yeah. He's a he's a top striker, without a doubt. Yeah, I I completely agree. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, um, and there'll probably be a lot more speculation about him in the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, Manchester City have been linked with 
the Leicester City centre-back. Um, and I've forgotten his name. <laughs> not Johnny Evans, their other centre-back. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. No, it's, it's one, of those, one of those kind of names. <laughs> but um, again, I, I'm not surprised because Manchester City have been looking... I'm not surprised because they need a centre-back. They've lost company and now, um, obviously... Um, they've got another another big centre back injured in Laporte, um, so it's not a surprise they're looking at centre backs, especially at Leicester, who play a similar kind of football. Um, so again, I, I've got no idea how likely it is to happen because I'm not sure if Leicester will want to sell all their players in January, given how well they're doing, um, and they're obviously notoriously difficult to negotiate with as well, Leicester. So. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think more more interesting is that Manchester City are looking at a centre-back and I wouldn't be surprised if they sign one. What do you think? You think they'll sign one in January? You see, it'd be tough. As, as you mentioned, Leicester are, are, are tough negotiators and with Harry Maguire to Manchester United um, transfer, that, that took a long time. They were adamant about how much they wanted. I think that, that valuation even went up during the summer because United were taking their time. City maybe wouldn't take as much time to get it done their their board isn't as incompetent, but they do need um, a defensive signing. But I think they need they need more than that as well. Um, they need to seriously look at the squad in in, in the summer and whether Guardiola is still there to do that is 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 another matter, really. Yeah, I think that's a big issue. Um, there's no certainty about his future. Do you want Guardiola to sign a centre back in January when he might not be there in the summer because the next manager might fancy that centre back and that, that's wasted money. So. All these things have to come into consideration, really. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, he, Pep did say that he wanted to stay, but I I don't know if we can take that as gospel, to be honest. Um, he's got 18 months in his contract. Um, there's no suggestion that they're going to renew it. Um, yeah, so it's going to be, that's going to be interesting. And I think, actually, it'll be interesting what, with Arteta, if he takes the Arsenal job, or if he decides to stay at City, because he's... There's a lot of people at City who think he should be after um, Guardiola's successor as well. So that will be an interesting one. Uh, and um, another one, and he was he was a big story in the summer, um, and then actually didn't move at all. It was also to Hull. Now, Alice said a few months ago that uh, there's a chance that he could move in January. I think Roy Hodgson went on record after the day and he's saying, saying, you know, if we get out of the January, January, it's been terrible to turn us down. Now, we've been moving clubs, we've been moving clubs, we've been moving clubs, we've been moving clubs, Chelsea, Chelsea. So, yeah, I think there's a chance to get out of the January. I think with Chelsea, it's an interesting one because Spurs are interested in the summer. And that didn't work out. And now they have Mourinho's manager. No real um they might not go for me in the in the in the winter, sorry. Manchester United could do with a right winger. And if, if Sancho was headed to Liverpool, there might be an option to take him back. I think there's some clause they can get off his of his next transfer too, because he, he needs to play for the club. Um but look, he's one of the guys in the Premier League that makes things happen. He's a dangerous player now. He's more accustomed to the top flight than when he was when he was previously at United. So it could be a matter of his his time to her, his chance to leave might be gone because of the Pochettino clearly wanted him at Spurs and there's nothing to suggest that Mourinho is a fan and that might change. But at the moment, it, it is going to be very interesting to see where he does end up because he is a, I think he is a top player. He might not be as consistent as he needs to be but he he could improve a lot of teams in the final third in the Premier League. Yeah, I agree. I I, I rate I rate Zaha quite highly, and he's at his peak now. He's twenty seven, um, so I think it's time that he goes to a bigger club and shows what he can do alongside better players and um, probably better coaching. You could say, you know, he would he'd have to step it up. He'd have to be more consistent, and but he would get all opportunities as well without having to carry the burden of a whole team, I think um, that would help him for sure. So that'll be an interesting one to follow come January. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah well that's that's it <laughs> that's our first episode together um i really enjoyed this conversation it's fantastic yeah sit likewise and hopefully the listeners are saying the same yeah absolutely the first of many yeah i'm looking forward to, to more conversations in the next few weeks it's going to be an interesting time with managers and and with the transfer window coming up so um yeah um so thanks for listening everybody this has been the transfer central podcast um and we'll look forward to seeing you again thank you